Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? No, really, which comes first? Chicken? Any egg votes out there? A lot of shy, quiet people this morning. I'll give you a second try. Which comes first, right actions or right feelings? Still a lot of actions. Any feelers out there? Quiet feelers? Oh, feelings. We got one feeler. Good. How about this one? Which comes first? Saying thank you or feeling thankful? Thank you for your participation. That's good. Yeah. Does one need to precede the other? Do you need to have an authentic feeling for your thank you to be authentic? Or... Can you say thank you even when you don't feel thankful? Well, this month of November, we are doing a series, Being Grateful When You're Not Feeling Grateful. And my hope is that each season of the year, we have these markers, like this time of year we're looking at thankfulness, and Advent comes, and Easter comes. We have these seasons of the year that bring us back to center on some things. And so this month, I hope that we can foster thankfulness in our lives and be guided back into gratitude. So, perhaps these past 10 months of 2018, you have experienced some not thankful circumstances. Maybe some things that have been hard, and now you are dreading going to this Thanksgiving dinner where you're going to have to talk about some of these things that have happened in 2018. And you are approaching it not feeling very grateful or thankful, not looking forward to talking about you know, a financial difficulty or a breakup or difficulty at your job or a health thing. But you want to go to that meal and you want to be genuinely thankful and not just skimming the surface. So the question is, how can we be grateful when we're not feeling grateful? My hope is that over these next few weeks that we can foster gratefulness in our lives and that the grace of God would meet us in that to create that depth of gratitude. Well, the Psalms declare, Psalm 118, 24 declares, This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, there's this foundation in our Christian faith, this foundation of being thankful to God, that we turn our attention to Him and all that He has done in His great works in history, and in the present. You know, we have this foundation that God created this world and created us in love, and that he is invested in our lives, that he is active in sustaining every day, in actually in giving us every day as a gift. So every day the sun comes up by God's grace. Every day the sun goes down by God's grace. You know, God, by his grace, gives us sun and rain to nourish the crops, to feed us. Every detail of every day is this gift that God gives. It's from coming from his hand. And because of that, we can be glad and rejoice. And so we see this theme throughout the scriptures of God's actions and his great goodness and our responding with thanks. Psalm 106.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, his love endures forever. And in your program, there's some more, several more verses I listed in there 
in the notes if you want to look at some of those to see what we are commanded to do in giving thanks in response to God. But here's one more. Psalm 119, 62 says that at midnight, I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. Now, I don't know about you, but there's not many nights that I wake up in the middle of the night just feeling wonderful and good and happy. More often than not, when I wake up in the middle of the night, it's because I have worry and concern. I have the troubles of the days past on my mind, or I have the troubles of the days ahead on my mind, and that's what's stirring me up at night. And here, Psalm 119 is reminding us to give thanks in that moment, to take our eyes off the circumstances and to put our eyes on God and to think about how he is involved, how he is providing, how he is caring, and to receive strength from him. So as we move into the New Testament, we see this same theme of giving thanks continue. And in fact, there's this language of command, give thanks. And Paul says it many times in the New Testament, in his letters he writes to these churches that he started. He says to tell them, give thanks as a command. So in Philippians, the letter to the Philippian church, Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So here's your circumstance, with thanksgiving, come to God. Then later in another letter to the Thessalonian church, Paul writes this with much more forceful command language. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's pretty strong language. This is God's will for you, to give thanks. It's a language of command. But this isn't command like a command to go off and do something, and then once you're done with that, then come back to me. This is language of command of more of an invitation, that God is inviting us into this life. He's inviting us into this way of life that is made possible by God. And in that invitation, we can come in, we can receive God's gift, and then we can move out and live our life from that place. So we give thanks in all circumstances because first, God did these things. He's involved in our circumstances. He is present with us in that. And he's providing and sustaining us in that. And so we give thanks. So our gratitude is this response to God first being active. And Jesus' brother, James, wrote this. Every good gift Every perfect gift comes from above. These gifts come down from the Father, the creator of the heavenly lights, in whose character there is no change at all. Just taking this idea that every day is a gift from God. There's this guy, Brother David Steindl Rast, who um, grew up in Nazi-occupied Austria. And that is not a situation where you just automatically give thanks, and are joyful for. But it was that life and his growing up there that was his context for what he wrote in his book, Gratefulness, the Heart of Prayer, an approach to life in fullness. So Brother David writes about living in a continuous state of thankfulness and gratitude. 
Think about that, living in a continuous state of thankfulness and gratitude. Because all of life is a gift. He says that every moment is a given moment. And to be in that place where you're thinking about your life, that God is giving you every moment, and it's a gift. So Brother David gives us a framework in how to foster our own gratitude. And here's what he begins by saying. What counts on your path to fulfillment is what we what counts on your path to fulfillment is that we remember the great truth that moments of surprise want to teach us. Everything is gratuitous. Everything is gift. The degree to which we awake to this truth is the measure of our gratefulness. And gratefulness is the measure of our aliveness. And if we just take a second now, or if you want to write that down and think about it later, but to self-assess in your own life, how much do you see everything as a gift? To see everything as a gift. And in your own life, as you think about this, gratefulness is the measure of our own aliveness. How grateful are you? How alive are you? So in this framework that Brother David gives us, he says there's three parts to fostering the experience of gratitude in our lives. First, we need to recognize the gift. Then we need to acknowledge the gift. And then we need to appreciate the gift. And we use different parts of ourselves in order to do each of those parts. So here's what he says about each of those parts. He says, first, when our intellect learns to recognize the gift aspect of the world, when our will learns to acknowledge it, and our feelings to appreciate it, even wider circles of mindfulness make our world come alive. So that's what I'm going to look at for a little bit right now. This idea that our intellect recognizes the gift and the thankful things we have. And then our will chooses to acknowledge it. And then out of that, our feelings respond with joy and appreciation. So first, fostering gratitude begins with our intellect, recognizing that everything is a gift. You think about that. That's a, the task of our intellect is to recognize and to see the things around us that are a gift and to see them as a gift. And this takes some intellectual sharpness because there's often the reality of our lives that we're just zipping through our days and we're taking for granted everything about our day and not seeing it as the gift that it is. You know, perhaps we simply don't have our intellect turned on. You know, we're not paying attention. We're not alert to the things that are around us that are a gift. You know, maybe we're just going through life on cruise control. Things are blowing by and we're not even paying attention. Or it's just the days of all the details that are coming at us that it's just so much that we can't even begin to notice. So we need to pause, to take time to use our intellect to see the gift. But there's an, another extreme end of our intellect that it might be turned on too much. It's like hyper-intellect, where we need proof for everything. And we just 
have to, we're just like searching for proof, and we aren't even open to the aspect of gift in our life. We're not open. So the task of our intellect is to first recognize something as a gift. And then the second part can follow. And the second part is foster, for fostering gratitude is for our will to acknowledge it as a gift. Isn't that interesting to think about? You can see and intellectually be like, oh yeah, that's, that's a gift. I'm thankful for that. But then there's a choice of your will, how you're going to respond, what you're going to do with that. And you have to accept that. You have to receive it. And it's far more difficult to recognize, it's far more difficult to acknowledge the gift than it is to simply acknowledge it. And it's difficult to acknowledge it because in acknowledging the gift, I'm saying that it is something I am then dependent on. And we don't like dependence. Here's what Brother David says. Gratefulness always goes beyond myself. For what makes something a gift is precisely that it is given, and the receiver depends on the giver. Think about that. We don't like dependence. We don't like to be given things because we can't control that. You know, it's not something that we earned or we deserved. You know, if I got that as a gift, how can I make it happen again? I want it more, but I can't control it. But when it comes to God as our gift giver, again, it is his invitation into a way of life with him. You know, God's gifts invite us in to participate with him in an interdependence that he's giving gifts and we're receiving them and in our receiving them we are thankful and we're living from that place of gift. And we're acknowledging God's gift and saying thank you. In an interesting way to illustrate this, um, Brother David uses this poem from W.H. Auden about weather. So let's think about how intellect and will work together. Auden writes, weather, it's what nasty people are nasty about. And the nice show a common joy in observing. So first, our intellect recognizes the weather. That's easy to do. You can just look out the window and see what the weather is like. But then there is a choice of our will, what to do with the weather. Some people choose to complain about the weather. Now, how many of you have changed the weather by your complaining? I doubt none. But we choose with our will to complain about it. It's what nasty people are nasty about. But other people, they make the choice with their will to acknowledge the weather and to receive it as a gift. And it's what nice people show a common joy in observing. They're receiving it as a gift. They're accepting it. Let's make a little bit of sense how this works, the intellect and then the will in choosing. Well, weather is one thing. But we all experience an even greater personal pain through loss in this life. Just simply that's inevitable. Pain. We can't avoid it. We can't choose the way we're going to get pain, but we can choose how we are going to respond to it. And that's where our will comes into play. 
Jerry Sitzer writes in his book, A Grace Distinguished. He writes this. Choice is therefore the key. We can run from the darkness or we can enter into the darkness and face the pain of loss. We can indulge ourselves in self-pity or we can empathize with others and embrace their pains as our own. We can run away from sorrow and drown it in addictions, or we can learn to live with sorrow. We can nurse wounds of having been cheated in life, or we can be grateful and joyful, even though there seems to be little reason for it. We can return evil for evil, or we can overcome evil with good. It is the power to choose that adds dignity to our humanity and gives us the ability to transcend our circumstances, this, thus releasing us from living as mere victims. So we use our will to choose to acknowledge everything is a gift. And then third, third part of fostering gratitude is for our feelings to appreciate that everything is a gift. And appreciation is the response from our feelings. And certainly there will be times when your circumstance is good and immediately joy bubbles up and it just feels good and you have joy from that circumstance. And that's good. We celebrate those times. But there will be other times when the circumstance is not good. And that is where joy can transcend the circumstance. To feel joy when the circumstances are not good. Because this is where our choice and our will come in like practicing and developing it in our life. You know, this is not just some feeling you can drum up or make happen for yourself. But instead it comes through the process of intellectually recognizing, making a choice of our will to acknowledge, and then for that to bubble up in authentic joy. And isn't it these stories of life that are the most compelling? You know, the people in, in whom they have developed gratitude in whatever circumstances they are in, that their stories are the most compelling. In reading about some of these things, there's several Holocaust survivors who came up in their stories like Corey ten Boom and Viktor Frankl, examples of people who were in very horrible situations, but they didn't let the circumstances move them to bitterness, but instead they used their will to choose to move toward God and to be thankful. And it's not easy. Maybe you remember Corey ten Boom's example that Susie shared a few weeks ago um, from her book, The Hiding Place of being thankful for the fleas. Isn't it a great example of just acknowledging with your intellect, there are fleas here. And then the choice. The choice of her will. And in the story, the importance of her sister helping her with that choice. But at first, the one choice could be, oh, there are fleas here. Let me just add that to the list of horrible things going on in my life and just add to my reasons to be bitter. 
It's one choice she could have made, and maybe she was there a little bit, but her sister helped her move, to, move over to the place of thankfulness, where she began to see the fleas and their presence kept the guards out of their compound. So as a result, they enjoyed some freedoms because the guards weren't coming in there. They enjoyed some protection from their bodies because the guards were not coming into their living quarters. And so she then, in her will, saw, ah, I am grateful for the fleas because of what they are giving me in other ways. It's crazy to be thankful for the fleas. But in every circumstance, give thanks. Well, I'd like to invite you in these next 18 days leading up to Thanksgiving to foster gratitude in your life. 18 days, and here's the challenge. Over these next 18 days, to write down 1,000 things you're thankful for. So many. But if you do the math, it's only 55 and a half things every day for 18 days, and you'll have a list of 1,000. Amen. Amen. Good math. And if you, if you start today, you can even cut that a little less. I know this is a lot, but it's you making the choice. So I don't know how you want to write this down, but I have some paper in the back and the front. If you want to take a big piece of paper or a little piece of paper, right across the top, I am thankful for, and then just start writing down things that you're thankful for. And my hope is that by doing this, by this practice of writing down what we're thankful for, at first we'll engage our intellect to look around and observe all the things that we can be thankful for. All the things that we can say are a gift. And then take the next step, not of just stopping there with your intellect and just the rote task of writing things down, but next, to do the thing with your will, where you say to God, thank you. God, thank you for fill in the blank. And you're making the choice to be thankful for it. And there's going to be some things that are easy to be thankful for. There's going to be some things that are harder. But in that harder thing, that's the place where God can help you develop joy to come out of that thing. Well, here are a few categories to maybe help you get started. First, you can write down things you're thankful for about God. So in your program, in those scriptures, you can just grab some from those, or we're going to sing a song in a moment, which will give you three automatically. God, I am thankful for your goodness, your presence, your goodness. Did I say that already? You can't repeat to make a thousand. <laughs> One thousand unique things. And you can write down people that you are thankful for. Maybe the people that are easily thankful for and in your life, people who are harder and put them on the list and ask God to help you think about them and why you're thankful for them. You can write down things, possessions that you steward, the things that God has entrusted you to your care, like your house or your car. Thank you, God, that I can have that thing to drive around in. And you can also write down circumstances. You know, the good circumstances that, again, easily produce joy, and some of those harder circumstances. And let those things 
become the place for God to create joy in you. So, which comes first? Saying thank you or feeling thankful? Both. Both. Because there's going to be times when you immediately feel joy well up in that good circumstance. But there's going to be other times it's going to take a little more work where you are going to need to engage your will to choose to find the thing to be thankful for in that circumstance and to be thankful in whatever circumstance you are in. Wouldn't it be nice to arrive 18 days from now, your Thanksgiving dinner, and to arrive in a place of true, deep gratitude and for that joy to be present no matter what your circumstances you are in. And then at that dinner, maybe you could share some of the highlights from your list and share from a place of true gratitude and for that Thanksgiving dinner to be truly thankful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace that it invites us into a life with you a life where we receive gifts from you that we can enjoy and benefit from in whatever circumstances we are in. God, I know that there is pain in this life that is simply unavoidable. So we thank you for your grace to meet us in that pain and help us to choose to move toward you rather than moving toward bitterness. God, in these days ahead, I pray that you would help us foster gratitude in our hearts. I pray that you would meet us in making a list and bless us in that activity. I pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.